Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Said happy Monday, happy Tuesday. We had to uh, had the Labor Day holiday, and this is sort of the unofficial beginning of hockey season because we're in September. Temperatures are starting to drop a little bit. Um, rookie tournaments are this weekend, training camps are next week. So we're really going to start getting in the swing of things. And in that vein, we're going to start our team previews with the Anaheim Ducks today, not an extensive team preview, but just looking back at what they, uh, you know, what they did last year and what they're doing this year, what they're potentially going to do or what they have done over the summer and what they're going to do in the regular season this year. But we'll start off, uh, Russ, you have something for the pre-show? Yeah. So right now, as we speak, the Dallas Cowboys are negotiating with Ezekiel Elliott. That's a big truck that went by. Wow. Uh, with Ezekiel Elliott. And it's interesting because, you know, he was in Mexico and he just flew back. And the season starts on Sunday, with, although there's a game on Thursday, which, again, I think is stupid. But whatever. Um, I, I, I don't think people watch it like they think they're going to. But anyhow, getting through that. So Elliott has two years until he hits free agency. And he's already renegotiating this deal right now. Is he one of the top running backs in the game? Sure. Um, you know, he's top three probably. But the the issue is, can you survive without him? And the answer is definitely yes. And so you kind of wonder where he is going to stop as far as his demands and how, how deep Jerry Jones is going to go. Because, again, you know, this guy should have waited two years, but he's not. He held out. And now he's got the the leverage at this point because he brought the Cowboys back to the table. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I think they want him back, and I think that they're willing. I mean, they two weeks ago they offered him the second highest paid running back salary in the league, and he said no. So I don't know how much they're going to budge off of that. And if I think it's I think his name is Pollard, who's the backup running back, he yeah. runs for a hundred yards. Ezekiel Elliott's leverage goes out the window. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I Honestly, I like the stance of the L.A. Chargers who basically told Melvin Gordon, go ahead and arrange your own trade because we're not right. bought. That, right. I, like, I like that. that it's, like, it's like, screw you. I mean, how, how about a contract means you're locked in just like the team is locked in. There's no renegotiation. You can negotiate when the contract is up. Not before. I mean, I'll go back with the old adage, like, you know, when I had a nine to five job, let's say first three months, right? I did a really good job. Maybe even the first six months. Right. Like going in for a raise right away? No, because the boss would be like, that's what I hired you for. And in, in essence, this is what they paid Ezekiel Elliott for. They didn't give him like, you know, he's not making piddly money. He's right. making good money. And so I kind of wonder what Peter's feeling is because, Sometimes he chimes in for sports, but for negotiations like this, Peter, don't you feel like Elliot's got the edge now? A little bit. I, to be honest, I haven't been paying too much attention with that. I, as, as, sure. a Seahawks, as a Seahawks fan, I've just been jumping up and down about Clowney. So uh. I've been totally, uh, <laughs> totally uh, 
absent to other things. But um, yeah, I mean, based on what you just said, I, I think he does have a little bit. I mean, anyone dealing with Jerry Jones is it, it's going to be a it's going to be a gong, it's going to be a gong show anyway. So that's just the way the guy does things. And you know, I I would probably play play hardball and and use my le- use my leverage a ton too because the issue there is you know Dallas is the wealthiest team in the league yeah but he's making and, a million bucks it's not like this guy's making like two yeah. and you know it's not like this is not entry level money here yeah no, and 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 you know I'm not privy to I, you know obviously I won't be privy to any of the internal negotiations for the NFL CBA is coming up fairly soon. I know the NHLs is coming up. Well, it could come up next year based on what the decision the players um, make before September 15th. But how about, and I, I realize that the NFL is the only major sport that has non-guaranteed contracts, but how about the concept of if you sign a contract, there is no negotiate renegotiation of that contract during the life of the deal. You have to stick to it. We have to stick to it. If you want a better deal, then negotiate one when the deal is up. Not this right. crap that two years in, you get to say, oh, I had a great year. How about giving me more money? No, well, wait until you get a new deal. Or fire your agent. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, we will continue with our series of overrated and underrated. We'll be brief on this one, but it's, you know, until we really get into camp and the new picking up, you know, this is, I think this is, it's, interesting we've had some good feedback on it um we've talked about the beatles we talked stones we talked led zeppelin uh we're going with the uh rock classics here and we're going with the who uh it was just by happenstance i know jan uh jan levine who's been the guest on our show many times uh just saw the who in uh in new york city and i guess they're playing in toronto uh either tonight or tomorrow night um but who are one of my favorite bands but even my one of my favorite you know favorite bands they have songs that i think are well overrated or or just i i don't understand um and i'll go first for the overrated um i love tommy i love the the rock opera tommy um but the song pinball wizard has never been that it's it's a good song i but honestly i think the cover by elton john is better than the original I think that's fair. Yeah. I do, but and, but the guitar and whenever, is really good. Yeah, and, when, and whenever a cover is better than the original, then I, I basically I consider the original vastly overrated. It's never been, you know. One thing is, I think I think I heard, I think I heard the Elton John version before I heard the original version, and I automatically just sort of like attached myself to that one. I just think it's a better, better, better constructed song but, than Elton John. The only <laughs> argument I would have against it is the beginning guitar riffs on that are iconic. And so yes. I don't know if I could call something like that overrated based on the fact that that work is so good. So I, I can't agree mm-hmm. with you on that. Okay, well, you know, to each his own. Uh, what, Peter, what is your most overrated uh, Who song? Um, you know, I like them, but they're overrated because you hear them all the time. But Won't Get Fooled Again and Who Are You? Um, yeah. Just, you know, they're overplayed. You know, CSI didn't really, you know, hurt the thing. I mean, 
Who Are You is a really interesting song, you know, in the background, uh, because it was Pete Townsend sort of writing a song, kind of sticking it back to uh, Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols. And that's what that song's about. It's kind right. of interesting. Like, you know, he was calling them dinosaurs and stuff. And and uh, that, that was his response, which is kind of cool. But yeah, those are my two overrated ones. No, that is cool. I didn't know that. I mean, that, I believe that was off the last album that Keith Moon was on, too. Yeah. Yes. And, right. and, you know, the Who to F are You thing was a big deal because it wouldn't play on some radio stations, and some did play it. Yes. And so they had to have two versions of it. So I, I liked it for that. I think it's a, I think it's a good song. We Won't Get Fooled Again, I don't feel like it's overplayed. I think that is their anthem. I think that is, you know, one of their great songs. And so I don't feel like it's overplayed. But, of course, on the radio, sure, I can't argue with it. I was surprised to hear from Jan that they do that acoustic now, which is tough to tough to un- Yeah, I'm glad do. I didn't see it when it was acoustic. I might not have been happy about that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think yeah. I was. It's because it's a great song, and it's got that yeah. sort of sequencer that the section at the at the end that's yeah, not have so the same oomph if it's exactly yeah. exactly. Now I consciously was looking at Hold a on, song that is not I overrated, Mike. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you. Okay, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, that's what happens when you slam my overrated there. Mr. And you can tell in mind, it's going to be Babel O'Reilly because it was always a good song. It was never a great song. You know, the beginning with with the keyboards is okay. It sounds good. But you know what? It got way overplayed and then TV overplayed it. And then, then it became like the only Who song kids knew. And, and, and they have a lot better songs than that. Yeah. And it was – and even back when I was younger – it was misnamed by people because they couldn't remember Bob O'Reilly. They always called it Teenage Wasteland, Correct. which, I mean, I understand it, but because Bob O'Reilly is not said in the lyrics. No. So, but, but, but still, you know, you should know it if, if it's one of your favorite songs. Um, underrated, I consciously looked for something that was not a hit um, just to draw more attention to it. And my most underrated was from Quadrophenia, uh, a song called Bellboy. That's which, a great song. Which is which is phenomenal. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, first of all, Quadrophenia is another rock opera, but it, and it doesn't get as much acclaim as Tommy. But the songs on that, "Love Rain or Me," "The Real Me," they're they're, they're just fantastic. But Bellboy, instrumentally, it's great, and it also has Keith Moon singing a sizable portion of the lyrics. And he doesn't have a great voice, but it just sounds it sounds great. It's just a no, great it's song. Accurate. Like for the hotel industry, it was accurate then and it's accurate now. That's what I like about it. Right. Uh, right. Peter, what's your or Russ, what's your underrated? Well, all right. You so, go, Russ. Interestingly enough, I do love the real me, and that came close because I just love the whole quadrophenia yeah. album. I do. Um, but I'm gonna go with bargain and and I feel like that mm. one is really, really underrated. I think it's off of Who's Next. Maybe, maybe not. But I really think that that one is one of those deeper cuts that if you play it, you realize, yeah, you know what? Everything about that song is really strong. Yeah, and, uh, that's a good one. So I have um, two, because I can't do things uh, in solo, but bo- both from the Quadrophenia, well, no, actually, one from the Quadrophenia album. I changed it because um, I had the real me on there, but I changed it because I forgot and I had to go, but look, I was thinking of a song and I couldn't remember what it was, but I knew it was on Quadrophenia. And that was Drowned. Love the oh, yeah. piano intro on okay. there. Drowned is fantastic. And another favorite song is Sparks. Now, you're probably Sparks. It's an incredible instrumental. 
Yeah. And it just, it's complex. It's thrashy. It's got um, prog rock kind of elements to Mm -hmm. it. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. I highly recommend. Um, If you haven't heard it, go listen, go listen to it. It's really good. I do have a good one. Yeah, that one I that one I don't know much soft. So I'll definitely and, and I remember uh, it. sort of an honor. Yeah, it's, on, it's on Tommy. Sorry, I had to remember Tommy, one. Yeah. On. Okay. I probably you know I probably know it and just don't know the name of it. Yeah, you know, it's like I think that is the case, Mike. But what I was gonna say though, yeah. a, a good album to get. They have the um the quadrophenia demo tapes, and I highly oh, recommend God. it because some of those songs that Townsend wrote, you know, on that demo, he's singing them, right? Mm-hmm. I gotta say, a couple of them, he probably does a better job than Daltrey. I, I actually think I like the "Love Rain or Me" on the on the demos than I than I like the the production value. Obviously, is much better on the album, right? But but you know, Thompson's got that really high pitched voice that sometimes it's just it's better than. I mean, you know, Daltrey could hit big notes too, but it. it, it you know, Townsend had a very unique voice, and sometimes it was just better attuned to certain yeah. songs. I, uh, the other, the other honorable mention for me was getting getting in tune, which is yeah, a great getting in tune is a real good one. Yeah, yeah. but you know, so much. Yeah, interesting and interesting enough. Just because you're talking about this, I had to look out. I couldn't remember what Sparks on. I realized Tommy, but um, there was a 2013 live disc. That was released of uh tommy i have that it's good and it was most of it was recorded at the capitol theater in ottawa in 1969 Ooh. and then um a few songs from the swansea football club in june 76 what an yeah. incredible sort of seven year uh gap to kind of pull an album together like uh, yeah. it's interesting i have to say and i really good too and this will be the last thing I have to say. I remember it was the early nineties, maybe 92, 93, where they did, I think it was the 25th anniversary, 25th anniversary, or close to 25th anniversary of Tommy. And they did a star studded concert um, yeah. with, uh, you know, Phil Collins played the uh, uncle Ernie and Patty LaBelle. And uh, I think Billy Idol. Um, and one of them was Steve Winwood and Steve Winwood played the Hawker played the Eric Clapton, um, uh, uh, character from the movie Tommy, and Steve Winwood is not known as a phenomenal guitar player. He's a very tasty guitar player. He was incredible in this video. If you everybody, it's on YouTube. You should check this out. I mean, I'm a big Steve Winwood fan, and he was friendly with the Who because I think they're from the same area of England. And it was just you know just great. So there's so much great stuff. Well, that in that first Winwood solo album, he played every instrument. Yes. Yeah, so he is really talented. No doubt. Very, very talented. Okay, let's get started. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019. I'm Peter Tessier in breezy Winnipeg. Ruth Cohen from Sportsology. Not as breezy as Florida. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Right, we, we, we hope everybody is safe down in Florida with the Hurricane Dorian bearing down on them. Um, all right, we'll start with the, the latest news uh, and the sort of retirement category. First, the one that we know for sure is retired because Nicholas Cronvall came out uh, today and the Detroit Red Wings tweeted out that uh, Cronvall has retired and uh, will be joining uh, the, the Red Wings organization as a advisor to general manager Steve Iserman. So that 
answers the question, Russ, of whether Cronball was going to come back. Uh, it, I think it basically looks as, as if they told him, yeah, you could come back, but you're probably not going to get a primary role. You maybe even be a seventh defenseman and, you know, that kind of situation where they want to, they want to find out about some of their young kids like Chalowski and Ronick, and maybe he wouldn't get the ice time. And he did, he wanted to spend his entire career with the Red Wings. So he went that way. Yeah. I mean, in a skating league, I, I, you know, he, he wasn't going to last. And last year was pretty valiant that he even got through it. The team's not going to go very far. Even if you love the sport, better to walk away and take the good job. Like you've had your years. He was a really good defenseman, really rock solid, tough. We all men remember hits like on Marty Havlat and guys he's destroyed over the years. He's not a Hall of Famer, but like as a Red Wing, he's like a Red Wings all timer. And that's why it's smart for Eisenman to keep him around. He definitely could help other defensemen. Good move. I'm happy to see him go out this way. Peter? Um, yeah, it's nothing wrong with how it all ended. I mean, it's, it's time. Like that's really what it is. It's time. And, you know, he gets to stay with the organization there. I, I agree with what Russ said. I mean, I don't know if there's any more to add to this. Like mm -hmm. what more was Cronwall doing out on the ice? that was going to bring anyone value. And he didn't, right. he didn't sign a one day contract. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah, because he because he because yeah. he spent his entire career. If he had gone someplace else at the trade deadline, he probably would have signed the one year or the one day contract, Russ. Which I I agree, it's sort of lame, but you know it is what it is. Now the other news that happened yesterday, it's up for interpretation, but Justin Williams came out and basically says, "I'm going to take a break." He didn't say, "I'm yeah. retiring." He said, "I'm going to take a break," uh, which would lead me to believe, and maybe I'm off base here, but it would lead me to believe that he's leaving it open to joining another team other than the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, now, he was their captain last year. He scored 20 goals, 50 points. He had a good year. It looked like he still had something left in the tank. We know what has happened in terms of other players and other people who have worked for the Carolina organization. My first conclusion here, Russ, was that Dundon got cheap again and didn't want to give Williams the kind of money that he got last year on his last contract. So this is his way of keeping his options open. Maybe he doesn't want, maybe he doesn't want to retire. Maybe he's going to wait it out and miss training camp and miss a month or so and get a little extra rest because he's an older player. But I don't think it's a guarantee he's going back to the Hurricanes. I don't know. I mean, he should he should learn from Ross Geller. I mean, it didn't work out with the English chick when when he and Rachel were on a break and you know. It's going to be the same thing here with Justin Williams for sure. Uh, yeah, but she was hot though. The English girl was hot. <laughs> but it wasn't long lasting, Mike. Um, but anyhow, Justin Williams did better than I thought he would last year. What I think is happening here now, and and, and I think he was probably the fire starter in, in them with the you know post game shenanigans, all of that, and he enjoyed that. I think what happened after that is. The Hurricanes got carried away with themselves as far as how good they thought they were and are going to be. And I think they're improved, but not in every area. And I do think they didn't offer him what he was looking for. And I think he sort of looked at that and probably said, I don't know. I mean, do I really? I mean, I don't even know if I want to go anywhere else. So now maybe he just says, you know what? If this is what you're giving me, I'd rather not play. And then, and I don't think he's doing it to get a better negotiating deal. 
And I do think there's something to him being not being 100% sure because we've seen athletes do that. But certainly Don Waddell didn't go out of his way to make sure he was on the opening day roster. As a matter of fact, the quote that he gave was kind of like, well, we were preparing to do this without him. And it's like, yeah, except he's one of your two best players on the team right? or most valuable. And so it's easy to say that you were planning on this without him, but not having him hurts. And so yeah. I just don't feel like Carolina did enough to make him want to cross over that threshold from either being retired or partially retired to playing. And I don't feel like they did that. Unless my memory is faulty, Peter, Justin Williams is the guy who's seven overtime winner against Washington. He was a valuable player. He was their captain. So, I mean, if they yeah. didn't make him feel like he was wanted or by him, and, and, and honestly, if, if you don't offer him good money on a one-year contract, I think you're disrespecting the guy. I have a feeling this is sort of like a Matt Sundin situation with Vancouver where he sits out, you know, a couple months. And then, you know, if there, there's a team in trouble or if there's a team that he thinks he can win another Stanley Cup with, you know, that he signs on then. I don't think he's closing the door. No, I, I, it's really curious. That's for sure. And is it a case of him and the Hurricanes not finding the right deal? And you know, whether it be term or whether it be uh, dollar value, like per year, that's the, that's the tricky one. Like, there's really no insight into what it is. It's just a lot of guessing. Um, you know, the one thing that Timu Solani said after the lockout of 2004, 2005, was he said he never could have continued playing at a high level if that he didn't have that year off. And I think for some of these guys, particularly like a playoff warrior like Williams and what he does, the grind is incredible and it takes its toll on the body. And he, you know, let's assume, let's take it as, as a face value thing. And Williams is sort of sitting here going, I'm not sure this is the place I want to be, but I'm not sure where I want to be. So I'm going to just take this time, stay in shape, let the body heal a bit and see what happens and see if anyone comes calling. Right. The, it might make sense just for him from a longevity thing. The problem is the difference between, say, what Solani did and what Sundin did was everyone had a year off, right? right? They they were all done. All the players were in the same boat. So if they came back in January, if a deal had been hammered out in late 2004, early 2005, they were all coming in in the same kind of condition, basically. Right. And then they started the next year coming back to normal. Williams then is now going to have to come in and catch up just like Sundin did. And Sundin right. was not ready. He was, nope. he was old. He's a physical specimen in terms of his size and everything, but he just couldn't play at that speed. And it was pretty obvious. And it took him like about two months to get close to game speed, but he never really got there. So, and I don't, and, and, and that's the risk for Justin Williams. And I don't know if that's the right risk to be taking. So looking at the cap, they only have $2.495 million in cap space. So last year he made four and a half. Is it possible they said, hey, we can give you two and a half, but we don't have four and a half? Right. I think that's what they did. And that's that then, you know, again, knowing knowing the MO of the of the hurricanes from this, you know, this offseason with defections, with trades of player, you know, I wouldn't doubt that that was where they went. And if that's the case, I would if I was Justin Williams, based on what he did for them. And what kind of leadership he provided them, 
that I was being disrespected if they offered him less. It's like, okay, well, you know, I should get a raise based on what I did last year, and you're going to offer me a pay cut of 50%? Screw you. Yeah, because right now with their the way they're constructed, he'd be their fifth highest paid forward, which is probably okay, but in his mind may not be. And, like, if you put him up next to Nito Niederreiter, who's making 5.2, yeah. Justin Williams is probably thinking – you got to pay me at least what he's getting. Now, you know, and we'll, I think that is a problem. I think it's the salary issue. I do. Well, and we'll preview Carolina in, in the next week or so. But, you know, we know that they, they added Dezingle as, as a free agent. Um, they, um, I know Eric Hollow was, was new that Nekish is going to probably make the team this year. So, you know, there is, there are players that they've brought in that can make up the difference for, for Williams. But I really, I mean, I look at this team and I did, you know, I, I think in terms of repeating as a playoff team, I think they're in trouble. Well, it doesn't help their chances. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, I and Peter, I, the one thing, and then we'll move on. But the one thing, um, I look at their team, and you know, I think the absence of Williams is going to hurt. But I keep going back to their goaltending. Their goaltending went from Mrazek to and McElhaney, and McElhaney had the best year of his career to Mrazek and James Reimer, who has not had a good year in three years. I, I agree. It that that that's the that's the trouble spot right there. Like what's between the pipes for the hurricane is is, is a total question mark right now. Yeah, it's about six point something, six and a half, yeah. six point six million dollars of question mark. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh some some interesting, you know, we're gonna hear more of these probably in the next week until we as we work up the training camp. Uh Lance Boma uh signed a PTO with the LA Kings. Now I'm not not saying that he's going to make the LA Kings, but uh, he played in the KHL last year. This was the interesting thing. Last week, last week, uh, Jason Pominville was skating in Buffalo with some of his former, and I use former and former Saber uh, teammates. He supposedly was amenable to, you know, coming back to the Sabers. Wanted to, but the, there's a question of whether the Sabers were interested. Well, Eric Engels. Uh, former hockey buzzer now at Sportsnet reported that Pominville uh, and the, that the Montreal Canadiens are considering bringing in Pominville. I don't know if that's on a one-year deal or if it's on a PTO. They've got plenty of cap space, so they could, you know, they, and I think they have plenty of uh, contracts under 50. So it probably would be a straight deal rather than him, you know, going on a PTO with the Sabers, which I, I think would be a, a, bit, a bit of an insult. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to do that. Yeah, but but Montreal's got the cap space, and and Pominville scored 16 goals last year. So I mean, it's it, it would not be a bad signing. I don't know if Montreal Peter, you know, did it. That's the thing. I don't I don't know if they need it. Well, I I don't know. They, I don't think they have enough scoring. Okay, let's and talk I about the elephant in the room. Hold on. So okay, Cole Caulfield over the weekend had four goals. So for the people that are worried about Cole Caulfield scoring. Don't worry about it. He's going to score his entire career. So right. at the end of this season, however far Wisconsin goes, Montreal will probably get Cole Caulfield this year with the big club at the end of that season. So whatever you're worried about, lack of scoring, he could be a shot in the arm late in the year. Yeah, but do you think that they, that organization wants to 
wants to put him at in at 19 years old in the into the NHL. Let's put it this way: if he scores 40 goals in in college hockey, which hasn't happened in a very long time since the mid 90s, something right. like that, he's going to get mm-hmm. fined and he's going to get put in there. Yes, right. Now, Peter, I mean, I, I have nothing, especially when they have. They have openings. I, I I would say that the Canadians have openings. Now they struck out on Aho. The free agent uh, offer sheet didn't work, and I'm not saying that Pominville is anywhere close to being as an impact move as bringing in Aho. But there is a need there for sort of support scoring, and he did score 16 goals last year. He do, I think he still has something left. I know a lot of the there was a sort of an analytical analysis of Pominville that said that his numbers were really good last year, and they were surprised that the same didn't opt to bring him back instead of bringing you know, guys like Zemgus Gergens or, um, or Johan Larson. So if the, if the Canadians do this, I think it would be a smart move. Yeah, I think it would. The, the thing about Pomville is, is he's, you know, he may be older and he may not be doing what people have sort of traditionally expected of, of him. But he's doing things that harder to notice with the eyes and he's helping teams in a way that maybe you can't quite see and that's the smart play that teams have to make now not paying too much finding sort of these areas where they can get players on the ice that don't hurt and maybe provide a little boost in areas that they need a boost in and are flying under the radar this is this is the stuff that data really has its value in and you should be using it to find these kinds of deals i mean you know, it's easy to say, well, you got to get a Mitch Marner or, 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 or a Rantanen. We can all figure that out. We don't need data to do that, but we right. do need it to find these other things. And there's certainly enough data and, and some chop that um, Pominville is that kind of player that's worth taking a run at. I guess the mailman is there, right, Russ? I don't know who it is. Yeah, someone. I think she's calm down. Yeah. Either that, either that, or either that, or Kaya really agrees with with uh, Peter's point on uh, what he was just talking right. about. He, now, he does like Peter. Yes. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Then the the, uh, the whole RFA situation, and we, you know, we're it's it's nice now that uh, a lot of the uh, the insiders uh, are back from their summer vacations. We got a, a bunch of missives from. Uh, from Pierre LeBron and Bob McKenzie and uh, a few others regarding some of the RFA situations, which are completely unresolved. And the well, one of them the, saw, signed, Mike. One of the RFAs signed. Yeah, who? Ivan Barbashev. We're talking about the big ones. Well, hold on though, but I do want to mention this because if you want to know why Patrick Maroon didn't get offered his job, it's because mm-hmm. Ivan Barbashev sucked up his money, which is probably fair because. Barbashev really did come on for them last year, can play that fourth line role, is faster, and has more skill. Oh, no. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think and Barbashev impressed me in the playoffs. I mean, I, I did not think that Barbashev was as physical a player as he ended up playing in the playoffs. You know, he got suspended for a game for a hit, which I would never thought. He did. Alec like Barbashev would ever, would ever be suspended for, for a hit. But – no, the, the interesting thing was that, uh, I mean, Pierre Lebrun talked with Kyle Dubas regarding the Marner situation, and there were a couple other scenarios out there with McAvoy, and uh, we have like 10 or 11 restricted free agents. And the general consensus from all of the insiders is nothing is going on. No, no basically, a, it's, it's, Peter, right now, it seems like it's stalemate. It's, they're staring yep. down and they're waiting for one side to break. 
And this, you know, it's not one situation. It's yeah. 10, it's 11. Yeah. None of these guys are going to camp. No, no, none of them. And it's going to be really fascinating to see which, which team or which player sort of decides I've had enough. We need to get this done. And I'll even and, go one further. I mean, this is just unprecedented. Well, it's not it's so yeah. weird. No, no, no. You know what though? It's no longer weird to me. I saw Jonathan Tape stoke the fires the other day. Yeah. And I think he, I think players are taking his lead and I think he is misguided because the NHL basically comes out and says, Hey, we're not gonna act on, you know, anything with the lockout right now. And the PA, you know, you hear, well, we're going to look at it. And then you see Taves is like, yeah, we're going to take like every minute up until the deadline. And it's like, it was a very negative, po you know, kind of quote that I saw that it's just like, it just seemed unnecessary for the, for the climate right now. Didn't that seem you like know, a you know? Russ, I, I agree with you. And I think what is even harder on that is that it's coming from one of the highest paid players in the game. Right. That's the part that I think is, is going to be hard for some fans to hear is that, well, you're on your second deal. That's a mm hundred -hmm. million dollars. You know, your second deal, this one's a hundred million dollars. The last one was like 40 million, right? Or 36 million. Like I said, you, you, in his career, career he's going to basically extract close to 150 million dollars from the nhl in terms of salary if you've got an escrow it's not fun to have a, have a a 10 million annual paycheck and have to put 2.5 million in escrow not knowing where it goes and stuff right um understandable but this point in time you could just say we, you know, for the better, for the rest, you know, for players like myself, we've had great. We've I've had a I've had a I've had a very well compensated career. We want to look at this for everyone to make sure it makes sense for all salary ranges. That's all he had to say was right. consider the guys in the bottom who are making six hundred and fifty thousand mm -hmm. um, dollars in your in your membership, right? That's the message that should be said. We need to look at it so it's it, this makes sense for all members. Not just how I feel because I've got two point five billion sitting in escrow every year, right? And, and that's the PR issue. And and yeah. you want players to talk. You want things. You know, this is the double edged sword, right? We want players to speak their mind, give us something to talk about, understand what they're thinking and everything. And then when we do, we criticize them for it because it might not be the way we want to say it. So in that case, like I don't, I, I appreciate you coming out and saying that, Jonathan. That's awesome. But you know, from a from a bigger picture make it about everyone not just what you think right and 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 honestly i think until we get to september 15th and find out what the players are, yeah. are going to do i mean i was a little surprised that the nhl just sort of oh by the way we're gonna we're, i, I f expected them to keep what they what you know what was going on you know, because I don't think they have any complaints with the with the the current CBA. I think there's things they'd like to tweak, but they're not gonna they're not gonna opt out early, and they're gonna put the onus on the players. And if the players take the bait and say we're gonna walk away or we're gonna start negotiating on a new deal, 
the I think the, I think the owners have already won half the PR battle. We know the PR battle means something. If the players say, "Okay, we we have problems here," and I know negotiations have been going on during the summer, that's been sort of sort of under the radar. But if they say, "Okay, we have problems and we're going to opt out," you know, I think they I think the players start behind the eight ball immediately in this situation. Yeah, I do too. I just. Again, I, I just thought it was ill-timed, and now's not the time to make a stand. Now is actually the time that, at least if nothing else, like you said, just give something that says, yeah, you know, we're going to talk to everybody. There's a lot of players here, and and we'll get back to them. You know, this way it was sort of like, I don't know, it just came off as a little angry. Yeah. Now, yeah. just a couple notes on, on the RFAs, and then we'll get into our team preview of the Ducks. Um, I mentioned Pierre Lebrun talking to Kyle Dubas, and apparently he asked him regarding any potential interest via trade, teams contacting the Leafs, and Dubas sort of pushed it off saying, we're not interested in trading Mitch Marner. We see him as a longtime solution for the Leafs, blah, blah, blah. You know, the same essential boilerplate comp talk that has been going on. But the question is, at what point does Dubas – start to listen to potential offers, I don't think it would be until it gets into the season. Once the season starts and 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 Marner is still at an impasse with the Leafs, I don't think that they're going to even give a, a second thought to potentially trading him. But once the season starts and it goes down the road of a Nealander again, you know, a Nealander situation again, then I think the Leafs will start saying, okay, we have to at least check the options here and see what we could get. I don't think they want to trade them. I don't think they will trade them, but I think that they'll be open to at least exploring it and they'll let the Marner camp know that they are. Because that's, I, in, in my in my belief, Peter, Marner doesn't want to go anywhere, but if the Leafs start saying, we're open to trading you, then that might be a shot across the bow to him. You think they might be open to trading him? Like, do you think that's really where this ends up? That they no, no. I think I, I I think they will use that as a means of showing the Marner camp that they're they mean business. It's like if you don't at least be reasonable in terms of your contract talks. You know, all I've heard the last couple days is, well, he still wants what Matthews is getting. You're not getting what Matthews is getting. But, but, it's not happening. It might, but we don't know. What the issue is, is I don't think Kyle Dubas can trade him. Who's going to go and upset the apple cart on their team now, two weeks before training camp, to acquire Mitch Marner and give up all those other assets that it's going to take to get him and then no, have no. to deal with the contract negotiations? This, uh, uh, the, the threat isn't there. There's no threat, Mike. Well, no, no. I'm saying, I'm not saying they're married. It's, it's they're married. They have to, they have to get a counselor to come in and sort uh, the issues out. I'm not saying it would happen now. I'm saying if it goes into the regular season, then I think the Leafs will start to say, okay, we at least have to explore the possibility of trading them and see what is out there. Right now, the, 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 what they have said is we're not interested, interested in trading them. We believe he's part of this team. He's an integral part of this team. We don't want to move him. But if it gets to October and there's and his and Darren Ferris and Paul Marner are still sticking to their tune of well we want what Austin Matthews got well you're not going to get that so um, you know then the Leafs have to explore other options and I don't know if they'll they'll act on it but I think that they'll look at it. 
I just think right now, agents have told guys, be prepared not to go to camp. So they're not. And while camp's rolling on, everybody's just going to do nothing. And I think you'll roll into a couple of preseason games and everybody's going to do nothing. Right. And then I think there will be some discussion before the season starts. Mm -hmm. But again, if everybody plays this stalemate game and everybody's waiting for the other guy to sign and everybody's agent saying, well, wait, because we want to see what this guy's getting, then it's possible they're all going to go through the start of the season. Like, you know, if everybody has to wait for somebody else, that could happen. Right. Now, Ross, you had something on the KHL and uh, statistics that they're I doing. Did. I did. I, I find it interesting, and it's probably a little disappointing that they get to be the first league that goes with the uh, the smart puck with the real-time stats. I mean, if anybody watches this show, we've been pushing for this forever, right? And and I think they are gonna, the NHL is going to start to use it this year. I don't know to what degree, but the KHL is using it. And so here's what it's doing for them. Besides being able to put out a press release that says, hey, we're using it, um, they've got heat maps. They've got, you know, miles per hour on shots. They've got um, face-off statistics, which I think is really great because I'm a guy that likes to know face-off statistics, but more, you know, look, you can get them off the box score. <clears throat> but now they have graphs that look a lot nicer than if I just want to get it off the box score. Um, they also have, let's see, completion rates, traffic in front of the net. That's part of the heat map, uh, travel distance for players, fastest skaters, mm -hmm. all of these things I think add to the broadcast. And Peter, if we wanted to get to why is Sportsnet having problems? Well, I'm sure Sportsnet pushed, or maybe they didn't, I don't know for this to be a part of their broadcast, because this is something that fans would definitely be interested in now. Oh yeah. Some of the older fans though, got upset because at the um, all-star game, when they were doing some of this, like the names got in the way, but they, yeah. you know, there's an easy fix for that. I think that was just because it was the first time and it was clunky, but there's an easy fix for that. But Peter, don't you think that this is like the easiest way to improve a broadcast? Absolutely give people more that they can they can chew on and enjoy it's yeah. it's 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 easy peasy do it like don't complicate it it's it's not hard and you know bravo for the khl for getting this done and moving on with it right yeah. like, i i think you know we know what's coming in terms of you know the nhl's announced it and stuff how they package it is going to be everything right um if this if they go down the road of what they did with uh, what's their face, who did the data stuff on the website? SAP. Sorry, SAP. SAP. It's going to flop in the worst way. There's a big term used in a lot of industries um, right now in terms when you're doing customer engagement. So it's customer customer experience and how you provide people with access to data. They need people who are not necessarily data scientists that's getting the data and figuring out what to do with it they need people who are um visualization masters who can give you ways to present the data and make it palatable so people aren't overwhelmed by it how you package it and show it and present it is going to be everything and yeah we don't have a date on this yet all they said was last yeah. year's ultra game 
they're debuting it this year, but like we don't even have a date on it. Yeah, we yeah, don't have and, anything. And and it would help to have a website that doesn't crash when you when you try to pull up face-off data or goaltender data. It's like I, I don't know how many times I was doing an article during the summer where I had to go to the NHL website for statistics, and when you went into more concentrate or more. Um, narrow-minded uh, statistics like you had to go to a, a sub statistic and you clicked on it and the and the website crashed it's not exactly friendly to media members or to fans if they're interested in that kind of maneuver. yeah I just I hope it debuts at the start of the season it's yeah. a great thing to show up on the jumbotron in between periods too you know show up the five faster skaters in the game show up the five guys that have taken up you know the most real estate in the game show the um the best face-off guys in the game and show those you know all the graphs and stuff people would love that yeah right all right um our, our preview is of it will start at, we're starting alphabetically with the anaheim ducks um inter an interesting team to look at because I, I'm, it's my belief they're in a sort of a reset here um uh, you know maybe not a full rebuild because they have a lot of contracts that are you know, guys like Getzloff who are still, you know, able players, but are long in the tooth and at the probably at the uh, not sunset of their career, but approaching it. Now, the, the Ducks were 35, 37, and 10 last year, 80 points, um, only scored 199 goals had a minus 52 goal differential which is it's which is surprising because uh John because Gibson played fantastic last year until he had some injury problems later on in the year. I Russ I think that the big problem with the Ducks now we know you know they bought out Corey Perry uh Kessler is probably not going to play the rest of his career. He's got a few years left in this contract. That's probably going to be an LTIR situation. But with this, with this team, the road to success is going to be based on the young guys in their organization and how quick it takes them to acclimate themselves to the NHL. Sam Steele, Troy Terry, the, those those young players, if they can and, – and Steele had a good year in the American Hockey League. If they step up and play well, I don't think they're going to contend for – a wild card spot this year, but I think it would probably be by next year with some other additions, they could be a team that could challenge for a playoff spot. I mean, you know, with all due respect to like Ryan Getzlaff, who's only 33, he had 48 points. Right. But at least he was the leading, leading score. <laughs> at least the year before when I was getting on him a little bit, he ended up with 61. You go look at Mark Messier at 33 and he was scoring a lot more. I remember for a while, gets left was drawing some comparisons. He's got to have a resurgence, and it's not unreasonable yeah. to think that he should. Maybe someone like Sam Steele does make that happen for him. Uh, Raquel's their best goal scorer, which isn't a bad thing, but it's not a great thing. They don't really have a sniper anymore. Last year, they had crumbling infrastructure. They had you know good goaltending, decent defense. It's not enough. This league now, you've got to be able to put up some scoring too. And so we'll see if this year guys like Steele really add to it. I don't know, man. I mean, Nick Ritchie's got to add to it. He's only 24, so maybe he can. I mean, Ritchie only had nine goals. Like he had 14 two years ago. He's got to somehow power himself and, and get a few more goals. You, you just start looking at this team and you look at all the players, you know, Silverberg is not even that old. He's 28. He had 24 goals. So that's a good year out of him. He's got to keep that going now. He's one of their best players. 
it's definitely lacking offensive ability, though. And Peter, oh, yeah. Peter, one of their strong areas for years has been their blue line. They've they've seemed to find gems and and promote them up. And now, if you look, they you know they traded. Uh, Votten into New Jersey. They lost Shea Theodore to Vegas. Last year, they trade Brandon Montour to the Sabres. Uh, they get Brendan Gooley back. But now you got Fowler, Lindholm, and Manson. And the second half of their defense is Brendan Gooley, Michael Delzato, and a Corbinian Holzer. And I think you know, Lock, you know, Russ can say about Jakob Larson, who he's a pretty good defensive prospect. Pretty good. But, the de- but the depth of their blue line has been weaned um the last couple of years and now i think it's you know the top half is pretty good the bottom half is not that great no and, and there's just a lot going on with the issues that the anaheim ducks have and the fact is is they're wasting away the um joy of john gibson and, and what comes with him right like i mean this guy he, he should you know he should win the vesna I mean, he to to quote a classic Don Cherry line from one of the early Rock and Sockham hockeys. The guy faces more rubber than a skunk on the Trans Canada. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, and you know he could single hand keep them somehow near contention. Should all the other things fix themselves in some way, that, that was. Uh, that's Gibson, and, and but yeah, they're they're a team that's going to require years of transition because of the guys that are contract close. messes are. That's, What's that? The problem is Peter. They have a lot of guys that are close. Yeah. Guys like uh, Max Jones. He's sort of in between. Yeah. Josh Mahora, real yeah. close. could be a real. That's a great player. way of saying it, Russ. Yeah, Comtois, like got all the tools. He's just which he played in three leagues last year. He played in the NHL, the AHL, and the Q. You know what I mean? So it's like they have these guys that aren't quite there. The ones that are there are good. There's nothing great, and it's a lot to put on Gibson. It is. Yep. Yeah, the workload that Gibson's going to face, and and you know Gibson has sort of been the Western Conference version of Matt Murray in the sense that he's had injuries almost every year of his career. They bring they bring back Ryan Miller, and he's a really good backup, but he can only play twenty five, probably twenty five to thirty games at the most. They're going to need Gibson to be really, really good if they're going to cont- if they're going to make the playoffs this year, which I I don't think is realistic. I think this year is a, a year where. And you can touch on this, Russ, because I know you've been a critic of him o- over the last few years. This is a year where they're going to have to have Dallas Eakins get a lot out of these young players that he coached in San Diego. And mm-hmm. you know, San Diego had a pretty decent year in the American Hockey League last year. But I think the development of the Steels and the Comtois and the Terrys are going to be extremely important for them if they want to turn things around in the next year or two. If it doesn't happen, then the- this organization's in trouble. Yeah, this is where preseason is going to be very important for this team. I know there's fans that say, ah, preseason's kind of a waste, but not for the young players. And for a team like this, if they could grab two young players because <coughs> Aikens unlocks what they need to do, then that would be huge for them. That's about the only chance they have to make the playoffs, the only chance. Um, just We're not getting a ton of questions in the chat, so I just, I'll just i end on this. I saw this in um, – John Tortorella is always good for uh, a, a comment or two, and he was interviewed by Aaron Portsline of the Athletic, and was asked about the free agent departures from the uh, from the Blue Jackets, and he said, "I quote: I respect them all, 
but I don't want to hear I want to win when it's right fucking here. I respect them, but I'm really pissed. It was right there where we were really progressing. This guy doesn't sound like he's really happy that all these guys left. No. And you know, he, made, he made he made similar comments about about Zach Wierenski and him being in a contract impasse. And he's like, I, I'm not part of management, but this really – basically this really sucks. And, you know, and it almost sounds to me like Tortorella is bemoaning the fact that he's going to have – he doesn't have as much talent to work with as he did last year. <laughs> and he knows that if they have a really bad year, that his head is probably on the chopping block. Yeah, there's no question. The pressure's on towards. I mean – should it be like, I mean, look what you did with them last year. It, like, is, Peter. it is. It maybe it shouldn't be Peter, but it, but it's going to be, even though he signed an extension, just like, just like Kekalainen did. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, he's going to be the one, he's going to be the one fielding the questions from the reporters in Columbus when they lose four or five games in a row. And, you know, and we know, I mean, I know Torts has been more calm and more philosophical in his days in Columbus, but at a certain point, he's probably going to turn and say, hey, Brooksy, kiss my butt, you know, or, or something, you know, like that, getting a New York flashback. Um, and, I mean, he doesn't have – he has some talent to work with. I mean, Dubois, Dubois is a really good young player. They got some players. But, I mean, when you lose – and this is the problem I had with where they went. They were um, they went for it all. They shouldn't have gone for it all. They they kept Panarin. They traded for Duchesne. They had Dzingel. They had Bobrovsky. They all walked away for nothing. And what did they sign? They signed Gustav Nyquist. Yeah. They're, you know they're they don't even have as close. They're not even close to being the same level of talent that they were last year. And if I had to if I had to make predictions on um, playoff spots in in the East. Columbus is not one of the eight teams. No, I mean they they're in a tough spot. Torts is in a tough spot. Yeah. Uh, it's similar to, to really what's going on with um, Golden State in the NBA. Like players just left, and when players just leave, you can't even necessarily blame the GM on that. So, unfortunately, Torts will take most of the brunt of it. Right. All right, well, uh, good show, thing. guys. One more thing. Like, oh, go ahead. I wanted to mention that um, Alex Ovechkin's got his own cereal now, and it's a, I guess Giant Supermarkets has it. It's pretty funny because he's throwing cereal up and he's catching it, and then you'll see the outtake where he doesn't catch it, but it made they made the crunching sound anyhow because they wanted to make it seem like he could catch it every time in his mouth. What interested me is cereal boxes in this country are very rarely hockey players. Like I have baseball ones. There's, you know, Wheaties will almost never put on a hockey player. The last time I could really think of an athlete that was a hockey player outside of the Olympics was Wayne Gretzky. That was really on cereal boxes here in the U S in Canada. It's a lot more common. And the fact that Ovechkin is on one now, again, this is regional. So, and when it's regional, it's a little different too, but this is something where it just shows you how big of a star he is in that market especially. And, and I think that really says something because I I've searched and I can't find anybody in the last like 10, 15 years, even Crosby, I can't find on a cereal box. Now maybe someone in Pittsburgh did one, but can't find yeah. I'm, I'm struck. Like the, I know for a fact that the U S Olympic team in 80 was on the Wheaties box. Correct. But after that, I mean, was, um, 
who was who was the uh uh the shootout hero uh St. Louis Oshi. I don't yeah. think I was on it. I think I, the, think I think the women's team was on it, but outside of an Olympic situation, yeah, I can't find anybody in this country as a hockey player that was well, on it. Kat Gresky was on it for Canada. Yeah, Gresky. Yeah, for well, right. Uh, and I'm sure Crosby probably was after 2010. Yeah. Yeah, Crosby probably was in the in the Pittsburgh market, and I just can't find a picture. But it's an amazing thing. It really is. And it just it shows you that Alex Ovechkin, where his place is already in sort of sports. It's not even the NHL yeah. anymore. In Washington, if you think about it, he and Max Scherzer are probably the most identifiable players in that market. Nobody from the football team, nobody from the Redskins, because they've been yeah. irrelevant. Really, nobody from basketball. I mean, John. Oh, Wall. yeah, the Wizards. Yeah, the Wizards, forget I it. I couldn't name you one player on the Wizards. So just <laughs> an amazing, right. Isn't that an amazing thing that really Ovechkin is one of their most identifiable athletes for sure? And final final note here for uh, about a former Ovechkin teammate, a former Capital, and a fellow Russian. I was taken aback by the fact that 35-year-old Alexander Semen was named a team captain of a team in the KHL. Yeah. I mean, uh, was there a shortage of leadership on that team? Because fair to say, Alec, you know, Semen is not exactly my idea of a leader. But well, but you know, this is one of those situations probably where they give him the captaincy, hoping that better things will happen because everybody who gets Alexander Semen on their team hopes for better things. And like Peter always says, hope's not a plan. And usually Semen does not come through. I, I hope they didn't sign him to a multi-year deal. Well, what do you, I'm going to look him up. How many points did he have last year? Um, I I don't know, but we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen. 41 points, 19 goals. That's not terrible. There you go. I'm Michael Jello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz – it's just hockey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.